Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldheadbible, and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. I imagine the scene this way. Nehemiah was working hard in his office, keeping track of what materials were going in and what materials were coming back out and building the wall. What materials they would also need to keep building the wall and what materials they were running out of. He had to deal with all that, right? He also had to deal with leaders of the various sections of the wall and their complaints. And also, he had to hear their victories, and then he had to give them advice on how to deal with disgruntled workers. Nehemiah was exhausted, probably, just keeping up with the day-to-day task of building the wall. And then he had to worry about attacks from Sanballat, Tobiah, and Dave, remember, the leader of the Arabian League, from outside the walls. He had to deal with all that. By the way, it says in Nehemiah 6 that Dave's real name is Geshem. So, from now on, he's Geshem. Nehemiah had to deal with threats from Sanballat, Tobiah, and not Dave, but Geshem, the leader of the Arabian League. Now, these three were a constant threat. So remember, Nehemiah had to put guards on duty at every section of the wall they were rebuilding. Nehemiah is working hard in helping the people to be encouraged to keep on building. And on top of that, he had to deal with threats from without the walls, from outside the country, right? And again, to do all of that is exhausting. But... The work was rewarding. And to see the wall being built, getting higher and higher and going up and up each day, it must have been exciting. But just as they were getting closer and closer to finishing the wall, another threat raises its ugly head. But this time, it's from his own people. See, the problem was that the people of Judah were so busy working on the wall that 
many of them did not have time to go back home and work on growing their own crops. And so there was not as much food as there needed to be being grown to feed the people. And then to add to that, there seems to have been some natural disasters. So put those things together and you end up with a famine. People were running out of food. So some people, to make ends meet, had to buy food from their neighbors. The Persian Empire kept enacting taxes from the Jewish people. Well, they had to use the money that they were going to pay those taxes. They had to go out and buy food with that money, which then meant they had to get a loan. They had to get some sort of money to pay their taxes. Or some people had to get a loan just to buy food. All in all, people, it seems, at this time, many of the poorer people in particular, had to take out loans to borrow money from their friends to buy food or to pay their taxes. Now, there weren't banks back in those days, so people would borrow money from those who had money. Or to put it another way, those who had money would give loans to their neighbors who needed the financial help. And here is where the problem came. People were charging interest on those loans to those friends. And that, my friend, was explicitly outlawed by the law. It says in Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy that Jewish people are not allowed to charge interest on loans to other Jewish people. You can loan them money, but it has to be interest-free. See, in our day, if you loan money with interest, that means that you, the person loaning the money, will be making money off your friends. So, say I loan you $1,000. That means you then pay me back $1,000. If I lend it to you with interest, it means I make money off of you. So, say I loan you money at 20% interest. It means you pay me back $1,000 plus an extra 20% of that 1000 Well, people were loaning their friends money at probably an interest rate much larger than 20% and for sums much larger than the $1,000 I used in my example. And so the money people were making off of their friends, off of their fellow countrymen, it was a lot of money. And to do that broke the law. It went against the very law of God. And so in order to pay back these loans with interest, it's sad, but many of the people to pay back the loan that their friend just gave them at this exorbitant interest rate, they had to put themselves or their children into slavery. See, that's the type of slavery they had in the Old Testament. You would put yourself in slavery. And under the Old Testament law, you were only allowed to do that for a six-year period. Six years, that's it. But these people put themselves and their children in the six-year form of slavery to pay back a loan. And it might have gone on longer because you could put yourself back in it again. This wasn't good. Because the people giving the loan shouldn't have been charging interest in the first place. They were taking advantage of the people around them. The people with money were taking advantage of the people without money and making money off of them and then getting them to be their servant or their slave on top of it. 
It was just a terrible situation. And the poor people who were also trying to build the wall and contribute to that started to complain, started to say this isn't right. And there started to be a split amongst the workers and amongst the people. And this problem came to Nehemiah. It was a terrible situation. And what's Nehemiah going to do? It's leading to low morale among the people, and it's leading to greater anger and greater division among the people as well. Nehemiah had to do something. He had to do something about this. When he heard it, it says in the book of Nehemiah, his first reaction was anger. Anger at his fellow countrymen who were breaking the law, and anger at the injustice happening right under his nose. But instead of reacting in anger, it says that instead Nehemiah took counsel with himself. In other words, he paused, let the anger subside, and he thought through the best way to respond. And when he came up with the best way to respond, probably bathed in a lot of prayer, probably talking to God a lot about this, looking for wisdom, when he finally came up with the best way to respond, he did this. He told the people lending the money to stop lending money with interest. And on top of that, to pay back any interest or goods or land that they had taken from their neighbors in paying back those loans. He also made the leaders of the people, the ones who were richer and therefore lending the money, right? He made these leaders of the people, the the biggest perpetrators of this terrible practice, they had to take an oath before the Lord that they would give their money back freely to their neighbor. So in other words, stop doing it. You need to loan money, which is fine, but don't loan it with interest. If you've taken any interest, pay it back. If you've taken any land or houses or anything like that, you need to pay it back. And I'm going to make you vow before the Lord, make an oath before the Lord, because you may say you'll do it, but will you? Will you actually follow through? If I make you make an oath before the Lord, you're probably going to do that. And then Nehemiah goes on after talking to the people to share how his life, Nehemiah's own life, is an example of how they were to treat their fellow countrymen and neighbors. See, Nehemiah was the governor of Judah. And as such, he could have demanded a tax from the people to pay for all the state dinners he had to give and other state functions. And in fact, other governors had taken that tax before him. Other governors, other good men had decided to take that tax. But Nehemiah didn't. And by the way, this wasn't cheap. What Nehemiah had to provide for the people, he had to provide one ox, six sheep, and some poultry or chickens daily. Let me repeat that. To feed the people at state dinners, Nehemiah had to supply One ox, I mean, that's a big animal. Six sheep, which would not have been cheap. And then a certain amount of chickens. Brock, brock, and he had to do that daily. Daily, daily. That is not cheap, but the amazing thing is Nehemiah did it out of his own pocket. 
He paid for it out of his own pocket. And he did that because he saw that the people of Judah were suffering. And instead of demanding a tax from them, he decided to pay it out of his own pocket. And I think this shows the noble leader that Nehemiah was. I think it also shows that being cupbearer to the king of Persia, it paid pretty well. He had enough money saved up from that job that he was able to supply one ox and six sheep and some chickens for food and for state dinners every single day. But still, that was a sacrifice for Nehemiah. That could not have been easy, but he did it because he was kind to the people he led. And he didn't want to put the burden on them. Problem solved. Phew! Internal threat neutralized. Yes! And the people... We're happy, we worked out that loan interest, right, great, and the people now can get back to work, the people are being fed, they're going to pay back their loans, but it won't have any interest, they'll be able to buy food, everything will be great, yes, we are so close to getting this done, don't give up now. But then, another threat showed up, and this threat came once again from the three amigos axis of evil, as I like to call them, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the leader of the Arabian League. Sanballat, in particular, sent a letter to Nehemiah as they're watching Nehemiah succeed with this wall. This three amigos axis of evil could not have been happy. This is going against everything that they wanted. And it's going higher and higher. They've got to do something. Well, Sanballat sends a letter to Nehemiah. And he states that Artaxerxes would now see them all. Jerusalem and then Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem. Artaxerxes is going to see them all as some threat. And that, you know what? Let's all meet at the plain of Ono, which I think is a great name. O-N-O. Oh, no. Come to the plane of oh, no, will you? And let's just talk. Let's just get together and talk. Now, the plane of oh, no was about 25 miles northwest of Jerusalem near the border of Samaria. And for all intents and purposes, it looks innocent enough. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem just want to meet. They want to talk. They want to have a peace conference. Innocent enough, right? But Nehemiah, he smells a rat. For one, why do they want Nehemiah to go at least a day's journey away from Jerusalem for this peace conference? So, Nehemiah, instead of just calling them out and out liars, simply sent back a message that read, no, uh, I can't come. That was it. A simple message that says no. This was no simple message. This was smart. Because Nehemiah is looking to see what is their motive. Are they truly interested in peace? Are they truly interested in the region? 
Because if they were truly interested in peace, then they would have no problem changing where they wanted to meet. You know, they would probably even be willing to move the meeting a lot closer to Jerusalem or even in Jerusalem itself. But they didn't change the meeting place and instead sent another request to meet at the plain of, oh no. And another request after that to meet at the plain of, oh no. And all they sent four requests for Nehemiah to come and meet them at the plain of, oh no. To which each one, Nehemiah says, oh no, I can't come. Oh, no, you are not tricking me because I know if I go there, you're just going to kill me. Well, that sneaky attack failed, which to me seems a little lame. Even I would have snuffed that one out, and I'm pretty gullible, but that sneaky attack failed. So then they try another sneaky attack, the great three amigos axis of evil. And that attack was... Again, to get Nehemiah to come to the plane of Ono. But this time, they want to help Nehemiah. And in particular, to help him deal with the vicious rumor that's out there. Didn't you know there's a vicious rumor out there about you, Nehemiah? And that vicious rumor is this, Nehemiah, that you're trying to set yourself up as king of the Jews, as king of Judah, as some sort of Messiah figure for the Jewish people. And we just want to help you deal with this rumor. Did you know? Did you know that rumor's out there, Nehemiah? Have you ever had that where people act like they want to help you, but then tear you down by sharing a rumor that they've heard about you, and you know the rumor's not true, and you don't even know if the rumor is out there, but your friends act as if everyone is saying this about you? Well, Nehemiah's response was, again, smart. He simply told them to bug off and that their words did not scare him. And then he told the people of Israel to keep working. And he said that they are just trying to frighten us. Do not be afraid. And it says in Nehemiah that he also prayed. Again and again, that's one thing the Bible says about Nehemiah is that he fasted and prayed or that he just got down and prayed and he prayed and he asked God for help to strengthen his hand even more to accomplish this work. Please, I need your help. I think he was smart because God infused him with knowledge, gave him wisdom, and one of the reasons he had knowledge is because he prayed. So none of this was working. None of these false attacks were working, which made Tobias and Ballad and Geshem even angrier. So what are you going to do? How are we going to accomplish this? How are we going to stop that wall? It keeps going higher and higher. And I can imagine they probably sneak up to some hill and the three amigos, axis of evil, they look out. Man, the wall's even higher this time. Well, you know what we're going to have to do? I can imagine Sanballat or Tobiah saying, we have got to get even sneakier and even more dangerous for Nehemiah. They began to use, here's the dangerous part, they began to use Nehemiah's 
own people to try to kill him. One of the first examples was a guy named Shemaiah. And it seems like Nehemiah knew him in some way. Maybe he was a personal friend. Maybe he just knew about him. They'd had some sort of contact. See, Shemaiah asked Nehemiah to come to his house because he had to tell him some prophecy that he'd had from the Lord. And and he couldn't leave his house, Shemaiah couldn't, because we're not certain why he couldn't. Maybe he was ill or pretended to be ill. Or, or maybe it was because of some ritual, religious, purity-type ceremony. But Nehemiah had to come to his house. Well, Nehemiah does. And that's why many people think Nehemiah must have known Shemaiah, because he wouldn't leave to go see Tobiah, right? So he is leaving safety to go to Shemaiah's house, which means he probably knew him. And he he wanted to give him some secret message from the Lord, some important news. And so Nehemiah goes to visit, and this man could have been his friend. Now think about that. Nehemiah goes to visit his friend to hear the important news he had to share. And once there, Shemaiah says essentially this, Tobiah, Sanballat, Geshem, they're going to try to kill you by night. Well, I mean, that, that's not amazing news. I think you could sort of work that out yourself. And you'd better run. And you'd better get out of here. And, and this prophecy comes from God. And then the kicker, Shemaiah asks Nehemiah to come to the temple to close the door so they could talk even further because there'd be safety in the temple, to go into the temple and close the door behind him. But at that point, before Nehemiah went into the temple, he stopped right there in Shemaiah's house and said, no. He stopped his quote-unquote friend and told him, I'm heading home. I'm heading home and not continuing this discussion anymore. Why? Because Nehemiah saw through his lies and reasoned that Shemaiah had been hired by that evil axis of the three amigos to embarrass and to make Nehemiah look bad to the people of Israel. See, Nehemiah saw through Shemaiah's lies because, first of all, Shemaiah said he should run away. But why would God ask Nehemiah to run away from building the wall when they were so close to completing it? That does not sound like a word from God. And then number two, and the biggest problem Nehemiah saw, was going into the temple. Shemaiah should have known, and he did know, that only priests were allowed in the temple. And if Nehemiah locked himself in the temple, it would make him, Nehemiah, look bad to the Jewish people, breaking the very law he's supposed to uphold, and Shemaiah knew that. And in the end, I think Nehemiah leaves Shemaiah's house sad and that his friend had been bought paid off by Sembalat, Tobiah, and Geshem. Nehemiah's probably walking away sad and saddened that Shemaiah lied to him, right? 
and that that evil axis of the three amigos had been able to buy this man's prophecy using the word of God for financial gain and in particular to maybe even kill Nehemiah? But as Nehemiah's walking away, he starts to pray to the Lord. And again, he asks for God to judge Shemaiah for this sin. But he says, not only Shemaiah, he asks for God to judge all the other people, Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem, bought off. They'd also gotten to a prophetess named Noadiah. And then they had gotten to other prophets and bought them off to give false prophecies in order to make Nehemiah and the people fearful. Run away. God says, run away and do this, do that. And each time God gave Nehemiah the wisdom to say, these words aren't from the Lord. And then later it's revealed these people were bought off. Imagine how that must have felt for Nehemiah. That people who are so-called prophets of Yahweh, that they could be bought by men who are sworn enemies of God. How could they do that? And today, you have to be wise. There are men and women who say they're speaking for God, but they're not. And how do we know they're not? If what they ask you to do goes against the word of God... They're not prophets of God. They are not speaking for God. You've got to filter it through that biblical worldview lens, right? If you're a pastor or your teacher, somebody you really admire, hopefully they'll always tell you good stuff. But if they start to tell you stuff that goes against what the Bible teaches, they're teaching error. And you got to get out of there. And Nehemiah knew that exact same thing. And now he's being attacked by his very own people. That must have been so hard to take. Threats from the three amigos axis of evil is hard enough. But then to have attacks, literally life-threatening attacks possibly from your very own people. Well, despite the threats of death despite turning some of the Jewish people against Nehemiah and and, and the Jewish people themselves, despite the death threats, despite turning some of the people against their own people, the wall was built. Yes! The wall was completed. Yes! Huge rounds of applause. Yay! Huge cheers. Now get this. The Bible says the wall was completed in 52 years days, 52 days. It was completed around September the 20th. I like to think September the 23rd because that's my son's birthday, but around September the 20th. Think about it. Nehemiah had started the wall, building it around the end of July, and now he had completed it around September 20th, September 23rd. That was an amazing accomplishment The organizational skill it took to do that, the energy and motivation of the Jewish people to keep building, but most of all, the wondrous Lord, the wondrous God who behind it all took care of his people from all these threats from without and within to accomplish building the walls around Jerusalem in 52 days. 
All the glory goes to God, Nehemiah would say. None of it goes to him. He would say, all praise to Yahweh. The walls are built. Now, what happens next? Well, if you want to hear the rest of the story, come back next week. But I just want to encourage you. Nehemiah completed the task. He didn't give up. He kept pushing through. He faced some daunting obstacles. But because of the Lord, because he prayed, because the good hand of the Lord was with him, he accomplished the task. We serve a risen Savior. And whatever God's called you to do, if you're discouraged right now, think back to Nehemiah. What did he do? He prayed. He got organized. He planned. He put people in positions so that they would succeed. And he kept dealing with the threats, internal and external threats. He kept dealing with them. He didn't ignore them. He didn't pretend that they weren't there. No, he faced them head on. But he bathed the whole thing in prayer. And 52 days later, the goal was accomplished. All glory to God. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.